0: Today I wanted to talk to you about talking to God. If you will remember last time uh, I had an opportunity to speak, I shared with you about the fact that God has wired us to actually be able to hear from Him. I'm just excited today to take that to a new level, to the place where we're now ready to have a conversation with Him. So it's not just hearing from Him, it's actually learning how to talk to Him. I really appreciated the message last week by Eddie, if you didn't have an opportunity to hear that, go back and listen to his message because he brought out the the really the four core values of our church, and he said that it's bold engagement, it's that bilingual faith, it's that building bridges to the broken, and also of course uh, a body of diversity. But he hit bold engagement so well that it literally was just moving, and so. Um, you know, I just want to kind of summarize what he said because I thought it was so powerful. But basically, it was uh, not only are we family, we are family, but we can take this hill if we go together. And so, Eddie, thank you. That really what that is uh, what encapsulates the concept of bold engagement. We're not alone. We truly are in this together. So thank you for that word. It was very powerful. And so in that thought of the fact that we're tied to these values and the values of our church help us to be able to not only make it through life, but to do something significant in life. I want you to be able to lean into today's core value, which is a bilingual faith and the way that you'll see it described on our, uh, even on the church website, go to the and you'll see under bilingual faith, it, it'll say that we are committed to being people who speak heaven here on earth. And so it is kind of a unique thing. If you think about it, what we're saying is a bilingual faith isn't knowing how to act Christian. It's not uh, knowing how to be diplomatic. It's literally being able to hear and talk with God in such a way that we can talk with other people. And that heaven starts taking form while we're here on earth. And that's a powerful concept. And so I want you to know that this isn't a new idea. It's been from the very beginning. So God starts off, he speaks, and everything is put into motion that we know today. And everything that God has put into motion remains in motion because what he does is of an eternal, everlasting value. And so it just continues forever. And so today, as we look at the the power of having a faith or a language that literally takes the things from heaven and gives them shape and it solidifies what can happen here on Earth, it is indeed an important topic. I want you to think of it in terms like this, that if you could put something into motion that would have a forever value, what would be those things that you would want to put into motion? And so what you would not want to do is to send out things that are of a negative or counterproductive value. You want to put out things that actually bring life. And so when I talk about uh, starting a conversation with God, we're going to have to learn how to have a life language. So I want to suggest to you that you see yourself right now as a person that was literally designed by God Himself to be able to know Him, to talk with Him, to learn from Him, and even be able to share. Uh, your life with Him and to grow in a relationship. So it's not uh, having a conversation where you look at and you go, I'm just so desperate, I better go talk to God. Or, and it's not even uh, coming to God as if you're going to be demanding. It's literally going to Him to be able to enjoy time with Him so that you can experience things of an eternal value, just the temporal. I kind of put it this way. In life, there's two things that will demand Time. One is the externals, and the externals are all the stuff of the world. When I say stuff, I mean it's those things that really don't have a forever uh, value to them and they kind of lead to drama. So just think of it in terms of external equals drama, but eternal actually uh, brings the solid reality of something productive that you get to put forward. So eternal versus external. If you're going to learn to talk to God, I'm just telling you right now, you, you're going to have to think eternally. Um, we're not afraid to bring Him our drama stuff, but we're going to have to get out of the drama and into reality. Because drama for us uh, might be a big deal, but for God it's nothing. What what He wants to talk about is the, those those things that take heaven and they bring it to earth and it changes everything. It'd be like the difference of talking about a person's purpose and a person's now need. And so, so let's look at it. What can we really do as we approach him? And we're going to see that uh, David in Psalm 103 does exactly that. He's going to teach us how it is to begin a conversation with God himself, and walking from our present situation into the very reality of God from His vantage point. Um, it's interesting for a lot of us, it's almost like we will talk to everyone except God. And I'm asking you today to begin to talk to God. I, I'm surprised at the amount of people that you utilize social media. I've talked to somebody the other day and they said, yeah, I'm limiting myself to two hours a day of social media. Two hours a day of social media would put me into a drama whirlwind that I don't know that I could ever recover from. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know how you can do that. But, uh, I mean, can we give real time to make sure that we're talking to real God? And the drama, again, that we put forward, what, what value is it going to bring at the end of the day, at the end of the season, at the end of life, what is it that we spent that time on? And I'm just convinced that we need to move it towards those things that have an eternal nature. My uncle Rob, I just loved him so much. He was uh, kind of like a brother uncle to me. Uh, he lived with my family growing up when he was younger, and then I went and lived with him when I was in college. Got to live with him and his beautiful family for a season. And uh, I was a Christian at the time, and I was new, and I was one of those Christians that was very outspoken. Um, and so I, I often uh, s- spoke really kind of on a surface level about God. In other words, you need to do this. If you want to please God, you need to do this, which is really, again, talking uh, in such a way that was need-oriented instead of relationship-oriented. And I think it kind of put him off. And I remember one time he said to me, he said, Marty, uh, I have a, a kind of a um, agreement with God. He said, I don't bother him and he doesn't bother me. And, and that really set me down. All of a sudden, I realized that what I was saying was having no value, bringing nothing to him. So I kind of went to the Lord on it, and I felt like the Lord had said, just wait, I'm working in Robbie's life. You don't know all the things that he's gone through, but I do. Later on in his life, many years later, he um, fought some terrible battles with health, and I had the opportunity to get to spend time with him uh, as, as he was dying. And in that, we began to have real conversations about how you connect with God and how you find peace and how you look at your life and make sure that you you end it well. And so it was an amazing thing to see the significance of really talking to God and on those deeper levels where it's kind of like life and death. And so Uncle Rob, I'm so uh, proud that uh, you gave your life to the Lord. And uh, I'm just uh, so pleased that I got to learn from you along the way as well. And David in Psalm 103 is going to do the same thing, but it's it's not at his his deathbed that he's figuring out. He's figuring out as a younger man, and he's going to tell us that uh, you have got to be able to make a physical shift to where you take your attention from the physical realm and you give all of yourself to the eternal realm. And this is how you do it. So uh, turn with me to Psalm 103, and I'm just going to read the Uh, first five verses. But verse one's going to say, and we've heard this verse before, it's going to say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And now I'm just going to go to the very last verse. It's 22 verses. And he's going to conclude with this statement. Verse 22. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord Oh my soul. David is just fired up. What he's going to do when he says, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, I want to be able to break it down a little bit with you uh, so that we can understand what he was really putting uh, down on this uh, poem and this writing that we have in Psalm 103. First of all, when he says, O oh, my soul, we need to understand that in Hebrew, soul, the word he uses here is nefesh. And it's, a, it's the word for soul that means your place in life where you do a cost-benefit analysis between what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And so it's your decision-making, or what we would call it, it's your volition. There's a place deep inside every one of us, deep in our soul, where we feel it. we got a gut reaction to something. We've thought it through as hard as we can, but we're going with this. And so what David is doing is he's saying, in that decision-making place, in your inner spot where you're trying to look at it, do I go with what I'm feeling? Do I go with what I'm thinking? He's saying, tell that place right now to just bless the Lord. And so what's interesting is David and the Hebrews knew very, very well that each person is a threefold being. So I want you to just stop for a moment and recognize that when we say God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he's a threefold being. He's one being, and there's these three very remarkable uh, senses of his identity and dimensions uh, to who he is. Now, you look at yourself as well, as I'm looking at myself. I am a physical person. I have a flesh. I go through life through these senses, through these five different things to try to figure out what it is that I'm going to be able to uh, do to make the most out of my physical body. I also am a soul, as David said, the nephesh. And by the way, the word for your body and your flesh there is bazar, which I think is is almost humorous that we use the word bazar. But it, it, it is that word tied to your physical realities and those limitations that are posed by it. it it's a great word in Hebrew. And then we have nephesh, the soul, where you're making decisions. But there's another area, and it's one of my favorite Hebrew words. It's, it's ruach, and that is your spirit. And in your spirit, that is your innermost person. And what David is doing here is he's using his spirit to tell his soul what to do. So if you'll just lean into that for a moment. Your your spirit, your ruach, is that place in you that can actually comprehend forever truth it's that forever nature of you and what the hebrews understood is this it's more than just a concept there's a reality a eternal reality that the very spirit of god his dna is in us in that place and so in your innermost man is not limited to your flesh it's not even limited to your thoughts and your feelings your spirit man your rock is with God right now in heaven. It's tied to where spirit and heaven are able to be, uh, be able to connect. That's how powerful this word is. So there's a part of each one of us that's designed to be able to know God who is spirit and truth and also to be able to know him while on planet earth. That's the place. And in that place, God, God's using David to command his soul to create a blessing to God in in the spirit realm. We are not uh, unable nor are we unequipped to be able to communicate with God. We need to learn, just like with bold engagement, it's time to have a bold bilingual faith by which we realize we were designed to talk with God. We were designed to get to know God. We were designed to get to be co-laborers with him, that we are his work. We're a very extension of what he wants to be able uh, to do on planet earth and to be able to enjoy forever in uh, in this place that we have the limit of calling heaven. But one day we're going to see it like it really is. And friends, we are able to start looking now and learning now. And that's what David's doing here. It's also interesting and fascinating to me that he would do the word. um, So in his spirit, he says to his soul, make sure you bless the Lord. And so it's in command form when he says bless the Lord. The word uh, blessing here has to do with making sure that you speak well of another person. And so David's spirit says to David's soul, speak strongly, speak powerfully, speak now to God of his greatness. And just speak well, and whether we see it right now or whether we sense it right now, that's not the point. Because it's not just what we believe we're seeing or experiencing right now, it's what we put into motion. The Spirit's not limited by now. The Spirit is in heaven, in us, and able to put things into motion on a forever level. And so, what, what he's telling us here is, this is a beautiful truth, and an amazing secret that we need to unlock. We're not limited by what's happening to us. We're not stuck in this season. We're here for this season. We're here to be an extension of what God wants to speak in heaven to earth now. That's the power of it. That's why he's using the command form. This isn't, oh, you know, just hope it gets better one day. This isn't, oh, desperate, pathetic little Marty. This is, come on, you're thinking, you're feeling. You can't figure it out, can you, Marty? All right, speak truth. Speak it powerfully. Speak something that has a forever value in the middle of the crazy drama that you're in. Would you raise your hand now if you're tired of the drama? Because I am. But I'm not powerless to have to be impacted by it. I'm actually able to set things into motion that mean something. So anyway, this is the fervor by which uh, David's moving. There's very few times that anyone other than David ever uses the command word and says, bless God, bless the Lord. And oh, by the way, the word he uses for you, Lord, is Yahweh. And we all know that the Hebrews saw that name as so sacred that they wouldn't even say it. And so he's, he's so emboldened, he's so ready to speak truth that he's saying, bless Yahweh now. Hey, body, bless him. Hey, heart, believe, hope. Hey, mind, move towards. His spirit is not gonna allow him to stay in a place of not blessing the amazing truth and the power of who God really is. And so I just love it. And so once we get caught up by that, David's going to run into this thing called, and this is why you should, and this is what he uses in his blessing. You're going to see that it's basically um, David in his spirit speaking about five different things of God, and I just want to move to them now, and so we'll, let's look at each one of those because if you understand what David's doing in his spirit, he's, he's doing basically a cost-benefit analysis. Heaven earth, right? Right, wrong, death, life, heaven, hell. He's looking at it and going in the spirit realm, these things matter and these things need to line up with what matters. That's what he's doing. And so he says, let's, let's start thinking about the true benefits of, of a spiritual reality. And so and he, he's even going to tell us in verse two, he says, and do not forget any of us or forget none of his benefits." Let's just walk through the benefits together if we can, because I really believe it'll help. And and then later on this week, uh, we're going to do a podcast, and I'm going to share more on the fact that we're a threefold being in that in terms of what what God's Word says about a spiritual being, what God's Word says about the soul being, about uh, how it is that we can maximize our flesh while on planet Earth. But for today, I don't want to go into that. I want to go into the true benefits of speaking the truth from your spirit about who God is and how that will impact not only you and I, uh, impacts us as we speak it, but the actual difference it can make in our communities and in our world right now. So he says, forget none of, none of uh, the benefits. And he's going to go through and he's going to say, here they are. The first thing he mentions is he pardons all your iniquities in verse three. I don't know about you, but if you have a growth mindset right now, like David did, He's going to the benefits. He didn't say, here's some things going wrong. I'm tired of being a shepherd. I'm tired of being chased. Instead, he said, here's the benefits. I'm not going to forget any of them. I'm going to name them all. And then he comes in here and he's going to say, he pardons all your iniquities. The word all in this case is growth mindset. He doesn't say some. He doesn't say the worst ones. He says God's willing and does pardon all of our iniquities. So I like that there's nothing too big or too small for God just to deal with. There's nothing that he's looked at and said, you know what? You're so bad that we can't uh, overlook that one. Every one of them, all of them are pardoned. And this is such a powerful truth. Friends, there's nothing that we've done that God didn't die on a cross for. There's nothing that we've done on a repeated basis that he would need to go back to the cross again for. It's done, all of them. And that really causes me to recognize how faithful God is and how big he is. So we don't have to get distracted about our sins or the frequency or how awful we were. Instead, we get to respond to how big and great he is. Then he goes on and he says uh, in verse 3, who heals, and you're gonna gonna hear it because I know you're reading it with me, who heals all our diseases. He didn't say some, he didn't say the easy ones, he didn't say for those who are uh, in a certain place of favor with me, God is fully capable of healing all of our diseases. And so if our spirit believes that we're already moving in the right place, now whether or not It works out the way we want to. That is something that you need to have a conversation about with God. I can't have that conversation for you about your illness or your need from him, but you can. And who knows, maybe like with Paul, he's going to say, I've left a thorn in your flesh. It's in your best interest. We've got this one. Or maybe as when David had a conversation with God about, please bring back the life of my infant. And God said, no. And David said, okay, then I'm, I'm going to move forward with it. Because even in death, that's the right answer. Because with a child who dies, that child is going to be with God forever. And I will go and see him again one day. And so sometimes even death is the cure for our illness. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be flippant in that. But if you would have a conversation with God like David did, like Paul did, we can do that. He can explain why it is that he's moving the way he is. Or at the, at the least, he will tell you, you're just going to have to trust me. And if the result is that you end up saying, okay, I trust you because you're God and I'm not, you've had an amazing conversation with him. Then in verse, is it, I mean, can you see the power of conversing and talking to him that he wants to? And why, why would we not? You need to find every reason that makes you think why you should not. And you should command in your inner man or your inner woman, your innermost place, you should tell your soul to get in line and bless God and start speaking to him. Push in. Don't back away. Verse 4, he's going to say, Who redeems your life from the pit? This is one of my favorite truths of who God is. God's on the war path looking for things to redeem. I can remember being 18 years old and I got my a uh, first uh, car that, I mean, I just, my dream car. At age 16, I bought an old junker, 1968 Chevy Savelle, literally from the, the junkyard and fixed it up and you could almost get around in town in it. Then later on when I was 18, I took 1,450 bucks and I bought a 1938 Plymouth Coupe businessman special and I, remod- re- I remodeled, I restored, I redeemed that car and it was one of the funnest things I ever did. I loved it so much that when I moved from Houston back to Washington that I gave that to my dad. I I didn't even want to sell it. There was so much of me in it. I loved it so much. I I couldn't sell it. I just wanted to give it to someone special. So, hey, dad, that's why I gave you that car. And uh, I just I couldn't part with it. And uh, and your love for vehicles always touched me. And so uh, that was a, a cool thing for me to get to do. But that's the restoring. When God looks at you and I, his heart, he puts everything of himself into redeeming us, even from the very pit. There's not a junkyard vehicle that he can't touch and he doesn't find joy in. And I'm just so grateful. And the word he uses for redeem here is actually a word that has to do with a kinsman. And so it's, your family's going to redeem that for you. And then... We'll see in the next passage, it says, uh, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. And we're going to camp on this for a moment. Because as soon as you hear that he crowns you, how significant is that? It doesn't say that he's going to uh, accept you. And a lot of us, that's what we're, we're just hoping to be accepted God's saying he's looking for someone to crown, and he's going to crown us with two things. He's going to crown us with loving kindnesses, plural, and he's going to crown us with compassion. And so can you see for just one moment how much he feels about you? He feels so strongly that he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he's got a crown he wants to put on your head because you are his princess, you are his prince, you are his son, you are his daughter, and you are an heir in the royal line of God himself. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love us that much. Thank you that you've got a crown. And in that crown, it isn't about our achievements. It's not about what we did or didn't do. In that crown, it's about your loving kindnesses. It's about your compassion and your mercy that you have been pouring out on us and we want to wear it well. Lord, I want that crown on my head to look like your love. I want that crown on my head to to be an outpouring of the mercy that you've shown me. It's just, I want to be that kind of son and daughter for you. And friends, the word mercy here, it's Rachem. It's used very few times. And it has to do with the very nature of God. In this, it's not a compassion uh, that moves towards pity. It's not this mercy thing. It's triumphant mercy. It's that mercy triumphs over judgment. It is this amazing truth that says i'm going to do miraculous things in your life because when you feel my mercy it empowers you to be a victor it doesn't make you feel like a victim like pity does and i just want to share this story because it really happened and sometimes i share things and and i almost have a hard time believing them myself but i was 18 years old i was working for robert charles stone and tile in houston texas And so I was a laborer for this man who did amazing uh, masonry work, and at the end of the week, uh, when he would pay us, he'd pay us on Friday. He would go to, he would have us go to this bar called Fifties Are Better in Houston. Now in Texas, when you're 18 at the time, you could drink. What a bad decision that was. But anyway, so I'm 18 years old. I'm having to drive across town to go to a bar called Fifties Are Better to pick up my paycheck. You'd go in there and wonderful, nice guy, but he'd want to have a beer with you and shoot pool and do all this stuff. And it would take forever. I just wanted my paycheck and go home, right? And so on the second time that this happened, I went in and he said, hey, have a beer with me. And I said, I'd rather not need to go. So he said, no, you got to shoot a game of pool and have a beer. So when I'm doing this, we go to the pool table and he says, rack them up. And so I racked them up and he said, all right, you break them and I broke them, you know, and the, we were playing eight ball, and the eight ball went in on the break. And uh, I said, oh, do I lose? I really wasn't that sure. He said, no, you win if the eight ball goes in on a break. He goes, uh, that was just weird, do it again. So I racked him a second time. This is, and I know it. this really happened. I rack it a second time, he's watching it, make sure I do it real tight, I do it. I break again, and the eight ball goes in the opposite corner where it did on, that, on the other shot. And so I thought, wow, this is weird. And I started laughing. And he said, You're, what are you doing? You're cheating. And he's actually getting aggressive. I go, I, I don't know what I did. He said, I'm going to rack him. So he racks him. I had to break it. And friends, I, honestly, it's never happened to me ever since then. I hit it, and the eight ball goes in. I mean, that is flat out the way. it went. He said, here's your check. You can go. He was, like, annoyed. I, I literally didn't even know. I remember driving my truck on the way home thinking, what just happened? Rack him. I was just, listen, it's a mercy that makes you a winner. That's what God is really doing to us. It's a loving kindness that changes us from the very core of our being. It's a mercy that sets us up to win and to change things. And here's the last point. The last point we're going to see that David uses to drive this home is in verse 5. And he's going to say, Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renew- is renewed like the eagle. I just love the fact that he's going to say don't forget any of the benefits of the Lord and make sure you understand this that the Lord satisfies your years with good things and the word years there is very important. He doesn't say that God will bring satisfaction to your circumstances or your present need. It's to your years. What God is really interested about is to have a forever relationship with us. This isn't a, hey, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna meet some of these needs and take off. It's, it's, not, it, it's not all these needs, it's, it's really your life. It's your years. And I'm gonna satisfy your years. I'm gonna I'm going make your life count. I know that my life will count on planet Earth when I've experienced the life from heaven and I've imparted it to those people who are around me that I care so much about. I'm telling you, my years are satisfied when I see my children and my grandchildren and my community connecting with God himself in his forever place in heaven. And the only way that I am aware of seeing my years satisfied is by actually believing by faith that they're going to amount to something i don't know what the end of my days will be like i really don't i do sense that they're going to be good because god's been good and i've invested in those things that are good i believe that there's going to be a lot of forever things that will be moved forward but i can tell you that i'm looking for the years i'm not looking for something right now this minute this moment It'd be nice if God suddenly did some of those things, that'd be great, but these years that we have need to matter. And so, I don't know, I kind of look at it, and I often see people go to God, and it's almost like what they're doing is doing a New Year's resolution with him. It's like, I'm just gonna do a start over. I'm gonna resolve myself to be a better person in the future. I I want to be a Christian now and try this out. I I need to be religious. And people, it's not like, hey, I'm gonna run to the gym to get better. That's not what, what this is. This is that your life, your years, the very course of your existence now moves towards those things that are eternal instead of those things that are temporal. That's what he's doing here. And so I'm not sure exactly where uh, you are. Uh, Some days I'm not even exactly sure where I'm at on that grand scheme, other than I know that I'm in his hands and I know that I love him and I know that his love for me is uh, remarkable beyond what I can even give description to. So I love to go through these benefits and be reminded of them. But for you, where you're at right now, I'm not sure what you've placed your faith in. I'm not sure what you think has everlasting, eternal value. But I'm asking you to consider the fact that if you would go into your innermost self, if you could move past what you think and what you feel. Uh, My wife and I, we call this, if you can move to where the brains drag the guts. In other words, what you know to be true. If you know that eternity is real, if you know that there's more than what you're seeing and experiencing right now, go to that place and tell everything else to quit distracting you. If you would go there and just say, I want to talk to God, instead of going mano y mano, man to man or whatever, can you say this? I want to speak to God from my innermost being, my spirit to his spirit. I want to connect with heaven so that I have the right perspective on how to lay my life out and lay it down while on earth. And so, I mean, I believe in reading your Bible. I I read it every day. I believe in praying for people. I pray every day. I believe in being loving and and being merciful. I do my best to have that as a, a part of my life every day. But there's no substitute for talking to Him. And so, as we conclude today, what I'm asking you to do is to literally take time this very day to go into a place where your inner man, your innermost person can call out and ask the Spirit of God to lead you, knowing that's exactly who He is and what He does. You may want to read the rest of Psalm 103. You're gonna find there's some uh, other beautiful uh, indicators of why it works. So what we've talked about is David said, this is who he is, these are his benefits. If you read the whole Psalm, you'll even be pulled in further to, this is why it works, this is why it really does. And you will come up with the same conclusion that he did. So let's just read it one more time. This is how he concludes it. And this is what I'm asking you in terms of how to begin it, what to put into motion. If you want a bilingual faith, you're gonna have to learn to speak from your spirit, use your physical mouth, your physical tongue to put real words to what you're feeling and thinking in terms of hearing and talking to him. And so he he being David's gonna recommend that you bless God. Start telling God how great he is. Start telling God what his benefits are. Start telling God what benefits you want to bring to him. Tell him and talk to him. Again, the conclusion, bless the Lord, all you works. Isn't that beautiful? Hey, you're a real work. You're a piece of work. But that, in, the, in the right mindset, bless the Lord, all you works of His, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Command it to be so. So I bless you today. Just thank you. Thank you for being willing to seek Him. And uh, I look forward to being able to have you Uh, have some dialogue with me in terms of what it was like when you went and you spoke to God uh, from your innermost being. Thanks.